Please turn in your Bible to the book of Numbers, chapter 16. We're talking about what it is to be a prophet. I want to talk about true prophets today. Yes, there are false prophets. You don't want to be a false prophet. There have been true prophets. I think the closest thing that we have to a prophet today is the gospel preacher, because we're still in the business of forth telling. I can't tell you what tomorrow's going to hold, but I know who holds tomorrow, and you do too if you're a child of God. It's like we don't have apostles. I taught in a Christian school where there was a boy whose daddy was the apostle at such and such a church. He got a lot of ribbing. He said, well, he's the preacher. But the closest thing we have an apostle is a missionary. Brother Raul is the closest thing to an apostle. Brother Andres Galavine and um, Brother Matt Valandri. I've never met Brother Raul. Many of you have met him. I look forward to that time, hopefully before heaven. I met Brother Andres. I've met and got to preach with Brother Matt. Blessings, blessings. Number 68, let's look at verses 23 through 33. You see, there was a man named Moses. And by the way, Moses is also called a prophet. God calls him a prophet. That's good enough for me. But there were three fellows who decided, Moses doesn't know it all. We're going to give him a run for his money or whatever. And they, they, they couldn't accept the fact that Moses was sent of the Lord. They had their little program going on. And they defied Moses. Basically called him a liar. <clears throat> so in verse 23. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation, saying, Get you up from about the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Moses rose up and went unto Dathan and Abiram. Korah is essentially the leader of this little band of three. And the elders of Israel followed him. And he spake unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest ye be consumed in all their sins. Better keep distance from these fellows. So they gathered from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan and Abiram, on every side. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents, and their wives, and their sons, and their little children. And Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of mine own mind. 
These men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited at the visitation of all men, then the Lord hath not sent me. See, there's a witness test. The true prophet has a seal of indication from the Lord. But if the Lord make a new thing, and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertaineth to them, and they go down quickly to the pit, and ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. Wow. Time to fish or cut bait. It's going to mean something here. To take a stand for the Lord. And it always means something to take a stand for the Lord. It might mean people will laugh at you. Call you a funny old coot. Like they did Noah. You might be mocked like was Jeremiah. Put in a slime pit. You might be stoned or otherwise disregarded and kicked to the curb by this world. But the Lord knows them that are His. May we be more like Abel than Cain. So you know, Abel wound up dead. But he, being dead, yet speaketh. And it came to pass, as he made end up speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them. You got these three men, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. They got their family. They're taking a stand. Oh, yeah. Wait, we're pointing the finger at Moses here. And God says, Moses, you don't do it. I'm going to do it. And the ground dropped out from under them. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the men that appertained to Korah and all their goods. You think they remembered that, folks? If I was one of those Hebrews and I saw that happen, oh, I'd listen to Moses. I'm going to hear what God has to say. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. We're not fooling around here, folks. We're in a war. We really are. They and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them. And they perished from around the congregation. Now you can read on if you want, but they weren't whole home. They weren't, huh? What will happen tomorrow? No. When God speaks, He's been to be taken. Seriously. It is a serious thing to be a prophet. If you look in Jeremiah chapter 23, this is the same God whose word was as a fire in the bones of Jeremiah. And in verse 29, he says, Is not my word like as a fire? You ever read God's word and get fired up? You get excited? You say, Wow, God is awesome. He really is. Amen. It's not just a, a cheap thing that we say. Like, yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, that's really exciting. No. It gets a hold of you. It'll mean something to you. That would say I'll stick to your ribs. Well, I don't know about that, but uh, 
that it will change. It will give you something to live for, something to die for. God's word is like a fire. It's like a hammer. It says that in verse 29. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that steal my words, every one from his neighbor. You know, some people, they can't wait to snag what somebody else says. They don't even think about it. They just put it out there, and then they have to apologize later. The Lord says, be my man. Be my woman. Be my boy. Be my girl. Stand for me. Even if you have to stand alone. Stand for me. The Lord says, I'm against the prophets. Some prophets? God is against them? Absolutely. He put it in his word so he wouldn't forget it. I'm against the prophets, say the Lord, that used their tongues and said, He saith. Well, God said, Be careful. I don't want somebody to misquote me. And I'm sure God does not want anyone to misquote. Well, God said, there are some scoundrels. We won't get to him today, but you'll read about a man of God who meets another fellow and he says, God told me that it'd be okay. And it wasn't okay. And the man of God was killed for it. His carcass laying in the road next to the lion that did him in. Hmm. God means business. He's not fooling around. I hope you know that. Behold, I'm against them that prophesy false dreams, saith the Lord, and do tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their lightness. Just because somebody says a thing doesn't make it so. We had a deacon in another church that used to say, funny thing about a piece of paper, it'll stay still and let you write anything you want on it. And there's some people, that's the way their minds are. We need to have the Lord to write upon us. Like David said, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. We should be eager to repeat and believe and practice what God has said. And not because the preacher says it, but because God says it. If the preacher tells you, forget about this book, don't forget about this book. Forget about the preacher. The Lord says about these rascals who say, well, actually, uh, we have something to say to the Lord. Yet, what does the Lord say? Yet I sent them not, nor commanded them. Therefore they shall not profit this people at all. They're a so-called prophet, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, that will not profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, the people. They're no good. They'll mess you up. And when this people, or the prophet, or a priest, shall ask thee, say, what is the burden of the Lord? Thou shalt then say to them, what burden? I will even forsake you, saith the Lord. I don't know about you, but Sunday's the greatest day of the week to me. Somebody says, it's the day we got to go to church. It's the day we get to go to church. And actually, you read the book of Acts. 
Yeah, they had Sunday church, and they had Monday church, and Tuesday, Wednesday church. And they had the whole week, every day. They met, whether in the temple or house to house. Can't get enough. And as for the prophet, and the priest, and the people that shall say, the burden of the Lord, I will even punish that man in his house. If I or anyone else opens the Bible and says, God said this, I better be able to put up or I better hush up. Folks, if I say something from this pulpit, I said, the Lord says, the Lord would have us to, you have every right, you have a duty to say, where does it say that, preacher? I don't see that. Well, if I can't show it to you in back and white, I'm going to back off. I made a mistake. I misrepresented the Lord. And, and you would be doing me a favor keeping me from lying about God. Thus shall ye say everyone to his neighbor and everyone to his brother, what hath the Lord answered and what hath the Lord spoken? That's what we need to know. What hath God said? There was a man named Samuel Finley Breeze Morse and he came up with a device to send this telegraph message. And he had a helper and he sent the message and the message when it was received was right out of the Bible. What hath God wrought? What has God done? We need to know what God has done. Maybe, well, look what I did. I did this, I did that. Well, that happened to somebody. What has God done? We should rejoice in what the Lord has done. And the burden of the Lord shall ye mention no more for every man's word shall be his burden. That'd be a problem, wouldn't it? For he had perverted the words of the living God, of the Lord, of hosts, your God. That's a pretty spooky thing, isn't it? Let's, uh, we read that. Okay. Uh, looking for 38. But since ye say the burden of the Lord, therefore thus saith the Lord, because ye say this word, the burden of the Lord, and I have sent unto you, saying, ye shall not say the burden of the Lord, Therefore, behold, I even I will utterly forget you. Sounds pretty serious. And I will forsake you. And the city that I gave you and your fathers and cast you out of my presence. And I will bring an everlasting reproach upon you and a perpetual shame which shall not be forgotten. I think it's important we know what God has said. And everything else set it aside. <coughs> Anything else is secondary. Now, we've already talked about the fact, as Amos said in chapter 3 and verse 7, the Lord's going to do a thing He tells His prophets. It's interesting how many times people will just kind of brush that aside. Or think maybe I was, uh, I was watching a TV commercial and suddenly they came on with psychics yeah for your first reading is free and they even interview oh, I got a real good feeling from what that psychic said and some people they just get sucked in on something like that the fact that there's a market for that sort of thing tells you something about our people today please go to Luke chapter 1 How does God talk about His spokesman? Luke 1 and verse 70. This is 
as Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, is giving back his voice and he begins to speak. It says he prophesied, by the way. He was a priest, but in this sense he was also a prophet. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. This business of having prophets, it's not a new thing. Been around a while. Luke was used to write that, and then in his sequel, the book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, He shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken, how? By the mouth of all His holy prophets, since the world began. How important were the prophets? They set things up. As, as a preacher, I'm thankful for those who come before and I'll tell you what, Brother Ken or uh, Brother Dan or, or Brother Sean or anyone else, it just seems like the Lord speaks to them to speak about a thing and it's sort of like in volleyball. Have you ever played volleyball? The ball comes over, the first person stops it, and the second one sets it up, and the third one slams. It is a privilege to serve on the Lord's team. It's a privilege to honor Him. The Lord uses His people to get our attention. Who did the Lord use back in the day? Maybe you know what it says. If you don't, or if you do, turn to Luke chapter 16 and verse 16. You see, there was a prelude to Christ. Moses, who gave the law, and the prophets. And of course, the great harbinger of the Lord was his own cousin, John the Baptist. Luke 16, 16, it's, it's a turning point. Okay? The law and the prophets were until John since that time the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth into it. See how important? Back in the day, God used the prophets. God used Moses to get his word out. But there's a transition here. It's a hinge, if you will. You also see this in the opening of the book of Hebrews. The first two verses. What did God do in the Old Testament time? Sometimes He spoke from a whirlwind. Sometimes He spoke with a tremendous miracle. Sometimes He spoke in a still, small voice. One time He even used a donkey to talk. And a donkey made more sense than the servant of the Lord. We don't read about talking donkeys in the New Testament. See, the focus is not on one over here, one over there. No. The Old Testament, many different voices, many different methods employed by the Lord to get the word out, to bring the people 
back in to see and to know and to do. That's what verse 1 is talking about. God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. But we live in an even grander, more glorious time. You know how the Lord has spoken to us today? Just read verse 2 with me. Half of these last days. By the way, folks, one of the things that changed my eschatology was this verse right here. People say, do you think the last days? They haven't been around for a couple of thousand years. Oh, no, I don't believe that. Well, that's what the book of Hebrews says. Hath in these last days spoken to us by his son. Oh, I heard from an angel. I heard from the prince of the angels. I heard from a, a man of God. I've heard from the only begotten Son of God. I had an experience. I've been born again. As was preached and, and made so clear by our Lord. Happy these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the world. We are in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ when He's not hidden in types and shadows, intimations and illustrations. He's out there for all to see. He told people, now what I'm telling you, what I told you in secret, shout it from the housetops! Get the word out! Now that shocks the sensibilities of some people. I talked to one fellow says, I believe that your faith should be personal. Amen! And private. Oh me. People ought to know because you show that you love the Lord. That Christ is number one with you. You don't have to slap a bumper sticker on your car to say it. If your jewelry, if your tattoos are the only way you tell people that you are committed to Jesus Christ. You can take a body in the morgue and put decorations on. But does your mind focus on the Lord? Does your vocabulary reflect someone who's been changed by the grace of God? Are your priorities changed as they ought to be? I want to talk a little bit about the true prophets. Who were they? They were called of God regardless. Jeremiah, before he's even born, it tells us in the first chapter, the Lord said, when you are still in the womb, I ordained you to be a prophet. You are my man to serve me. Amos says in chapter 7, I wasn't a prophet nor the son of a prophet. I was a guy who herded animals and picked fruit. You see, the world looks down on you if you don't have some highfalutin position. Even Jesus, they called him the carpenter's son. These apostles, many of them, they were just fishermen. They smell of fish. Who wants to hear somebody who smells of fish, who smells like sheep? Or Matthew, the tax collector. Some paper pusher. He's going to be a changer of the world. The Lord uses all kinds of people. Can He use you? 
He can. And you say, well, I'm not much. Then you don't have to unlearn your own self-importance. Many times the prophets were those who would speak in dreams and visions. They were specially moved by the Holy Spirit. Peter tells us the word didn't come by the will of man, but God spoke and the men spoke as they were moved. They were inspired in the sense that God did the blowing and they did the going and the showing. How were they known? In Genesis 20, it tells us that the king saw Abraham and Sarah, evidently Sarah, was still quite an attractive lady. The king said, what's the deal here? Well, uh, we're brother-sister. Oh, well in that case, you can join my harem. And God stopped the king. He said, don't you touch that woman. She's another man's wife. In fact, that man is a prophet. Did you know Abraham was a prophet? Well, I never heard that before. Listen to what God says. It's in Genesis chapter 20. God called Abraham a prophet. That's good enough for me. Hope that's good enough for you, too. But just because somebody might make a claim, go to Deuteronomy chapter 13, please. Because sometimes... People spout off something and well, that really touched me. Sometimes the things that we think are so good aren't so good. We need to prove all things. That's why we have a Bible. Check it out. Let's read the first five verses of Deuteronomy 13. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign of the wonder come to pass, wherever he spake of thee, say, Let us go after other gods which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. What should we do? They seem sincere. So far, so good. And now they're telling us to forsake the God of the Bible. You think we should? But they seem so sincere. Thou shalt not hearken to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of Jesus. For the Lord your God proveth you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Do you really love the Lord? I love my wife. And if another woman were to come along and try to flaunt herself, that might be a lure from the devil. It might be a temptation of the world. It might be an an appeal to the flesh. But if I love my wife as I ought to, and I believe I do, then I have no business thinking those thoughts about you, looking in that way toward you. You know, in Hebrews it says, marriage is honorable and all. But whoremongers, God will judge. That's why God gave the institution of marriage, so we can do the right thing, you know, we, we have these needs and God has a way to meet those needs in the right way. 
So we go in that way. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. Now what about that prophet, that dreamer of dreams? They seem so nice. They're so friendly. They're so attractive. Surely they've got their act together. Look out. Things ain't always what they look like, folks. That prophet, that dreamer of dreams shall be Put to death. Wow! God's pretty serious about that. Well, they just made a little mistake. We can let it go. Under the law, they die. Because he has spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of all the house of bondage, to thrust you out of the way which the Lord thy God commanded thee to walk in, so shalt thou put the evil away from the midst of thee. And if you read on in this, he says, no matter who it is, it could be your husband or your wife or another relative or somebody else, your, your bosom buddy, so to speak. And they say, forget about that Bible stuff. Do this instead. Don't listen. In fact, they need to be put out. And that's, in fact, he goes on to say in the eighth verse, and you don't even pity them because they've got what the Lord would have to be meted upon their head. You know, in the New Testament it says, if any of you be taken in a fault. And he didn't say, but there's some people who are sacrificed. No, that's true for every one of us. If you mess up, if I mess up, whoever it is, it says, ye that are spiritual, Go to the attempting to restore them. No, it could be you next time. Let's not take on airs and think, well, that, that wouldn't happen with me. Importantly, get that in our view. Second Peter 1 also refers to this book as a more sure word of prophecy. I'll tell you what, I read some of the things that happen in the Old Testament and I'm not sure how to take that. But then the New Testament many times will tell me how to understand, how to interpret. The New Testament helps us to complete the understanding, to get the rest of the story, as we say. Hello, Americans. He's out there. At least in some of our memories. Acts 8.20 says, To the law and the testimony, they speak not according to me. These words is because they don't have my light in them. He, they're just wicked, if you will. And you've got to be careful of anyone who's just a wingman. When Paul went to Thessaloniki, Amen! Praise God! Boy, the Apostle Paul, so great to have him. Brother, can you stay any longer? They love that Paul around. But uh, they were shallow. I've been around people who were shallow about the Lord. They had a religion that was about this deep. It might have been wide, but not too deep. And then he went to Berea. And kudos to the Bereans. Because the Bereans didn't take Paul's word for it. They searched the Scripture. To see if those things were so. Preachers can misquote scripture. 
preachers can say something in the heat of preaching. Jimmy Tharp once said, what we do to this church are more men like Mary. <laughs> he would have probably rephrased that if he thought about it. And uh, just to tell on myself, I have told you before, I played the tape back and I said, we need to be thankful that Samson died for our sins. No, no, no. Preacher goofed. Preacher's human too. He makes his mistakes. But the Bereans were more noble. Not because they had more money, better houses, better education, better chariots or whatever, but they searched the Scripture. Don't take my word for it. Don't take anybody else's word. I read it in a book somewhere. Yeah, there are people that go by what's written in a book, regardless of what it is. There's a lot of books with some goofy stuff in them. You need to go buy this book. This is the book. In John 10, 35, Jesus said, The Scripture cannot be broken. Hope you know that. Now, let's go back to Deuteronomy to close. This time, chapter 18. You know, there's some people that talk a real good talk, and it's really interesting. A few years ago, actually it was in another state, in another century, Marcia and I were taking a class, an anthropology class, in a state school. Rise of cults. Ooh, that was, I thought, that's interesting. We'll be talking about Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, no, we got some really over-the-top cults. I did my paper on the snake handlers. I don't think we have any here in Arkansas, thank the Lord, but in East Tennessee and East Kentucky and some parts of West Virginia and Ohio, there are people who get up and say, we believe in living by faith around here. And we're not like those pikers that just stop short. They say, well, we'll speak in tongues. Or, well, we believe in this and that. No, we take it all the way. And they went to Mark 16, and I think it's a misinterpretation on their part. They say, we're going to prove our faith. Bring in the snakes. The guy brings a box in and they got rattlers and other poisonous snakes. And the guy will get us. Now, if I am really God's man, I'll be okay. And he picks up the snake. And they haven't been defanged. And every once in a while, the snake bites them. And sometimes, and there's two schools of thought there besides thinking they're all crazy. There's one school that says, if the snake bites you, wait and see if you live. Because you might live. And that would be a vindication. On the other hand, if you die, that just proves that you're a fake. And God proved it by using a snake. But the Hebrews were told, if somebody makes a prophecy in the sense of the foretelling, such and such is going to happen. There was a guy in Little Rock in 1998 who said, Jesus is going to come this year. In fact, he put out a book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Going to Come in 1988. 
I think I still have that in a box somewhere. Someplace. And it's interesting. Gary North, North wrote him a letter and he said, I'll tell you what, you ask for a donation of $2 for that book. I'll buy as many as you'll sell me at $2 a piece with the understanding that in January of 1989, you'll buy them back from me at $10. Didn't take them up on it. I got news for you. Jesus did not come in 1988. Even though the guy published the book, it didn't happen. He juggled the numbers. He said, well, look at this way. We got 666 and 666 and 666. Add it all up. Comes up to 1998. That proves it. Really? Well, figures don't lie. No, but liars know how to figure. And if you take the 666 and turn it up to like that, it makes 999. 999 plus 999. Draw a line, and it adds up to 1998. Wow, that proves it too. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. A red heifer was born over here a few years ago. Must be the Lord's coming back. The Lord is coming back, but not because some cow gave birth. No. One of the smartest things John R. Rice ever did was to write a book, Signs or No Signs, Jesus is Coming Back. <coughs> Because people hear about signs and they want to hear the news. And they want to watch the stock market. And they look at, oh look, the Russians moving into Ukraine. And, and that's a proof the Lord's coming back. Lord's coming back. No matter what signs we know about or act upon. But let's close with this. In Numbers, or Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 20 through 22. It's a simple litmus test. Last three verses of Deuteronomy 18. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. Presumption is deadly. And if thou say in thine heart, how shall we know? The word which the Lord hath not spoken. Here it is, folks. When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. But the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously. You're in the deep end of the pool, Buster, and you don't belong there because you can't swim there. Stay out of there. If you have a Christian friend that says, what's your preacher thinks going to happen this year? You can tell him for me. I believe what's going to happen is what the Lord has ordained. Because the Lord's in control. Who's going to win this war between Russia and Ukraine? I don't know. Do you? Well, you might say you do. You might think you do, but that doesn't mean you do. Folks, the Lord has got this whole village. And we need to know He's the one that declares the end from the beginning. Don't be taken aside by somebody that make a prediction or has some special power or something like that. Beware those who would speak presumptuously. Thou shalt not be afraid of Him.
We are to fear the Lord. We are to fear displeasing Him. But when some scoundrel comes up with something, I'll tell you what, I read my mail. I got a letter just this week. I told Marcia, well, that screwball's up to it again. They don't sign it. There's never a return address. But you know what? According to this letter, if we don't have church on Saturday, and Saturday is the holy day, we're all going to hell. That's pretty extreme. Well, I don't read the, oh no, what are we going to do? No, I've got my Bible. God has spoken. Go to the Word. Seek the counsel of God's Word. God has the answer for what we need to know. Because men's heart will, will fail them for fear. Men will suppose this and suppose that. But the true prophet will be right in line with the Lord. Now I don't have a pipeline from God. He doesn't tell me anything in dreams and visions. If I eat the wrong kind of pizza, I might have a funny vision or something like that. But folks, I've got the real deal right here. And I hope you do too. And I hope it doesn't stay close because a closed Bible doesn't pose much of a threat to the devil. <laughs> Open it up. Take it out and read it. People say, I like to read the book of Revelation. Read the first chapter. Blessed is he that readeth. Blessed is he that hears. You want a blessing? Go to the soul. Go to God's precious word. And read that. <laughs> the Lord willing, we'll talk about false prophets next week. Pray for me. Let's sing, brother.